Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN. This is episode 5050 episodes in season 4A. It is the Rain Dregs podcast. It is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. 50 episodes, How man. How many have we done overall, Drake? How many have we done, like, in total? Do we know that? Yeah, through four seasons? I gotta say we're pushing 200, right? Because I think in the first three seasons, we did around 40, 41, 42, yeah. something like that. So there's 325. Yeah, we're getting there. Close in on a buck 80, so we'll be 200 yeah. plus by the end of the year. It's not bad. That's, that's kind of, that, that's a lot. Yeah. We've got former Toronto Blue Jays manager John Gibbons, 1986 World Series champ with the New York Mets. Remember him as a bullpen catcher. He's joining us on the podcast. He's a hockey fan, right? He's got some history in Toronto, buddies with the Leafs. They're oh, all you know, I, you know my baseball love. I'm looking forward oh, boy. to this. Yeah, great storyteller. You know, he's, he's got a great podcast. He's got a book out as well. So there's lots of reasons to check in with John Gibbons, and we'll do that in episode 50 of the podcast here. First, let's dive into headlines and a bit of a buzz over the World Baseball Classic. And obviously, we're going to talk to Gibby about that. And I wanted to talk about the comments coming from Connor McDavid, who is campaigning openly, as he should. Best player in the game. He wants to play best on best. And I get that. I think we all support and endorse that. But first, Connor trumps Connor because on Wednesday night, he scores 59 and 60, right? 10 games left. Can he get 10 goals in 10 games? Well, the obvious answer is, of course he can. Will he? I don't know if we can be sure of that, but your thoughts on all of that, including the dry sidle plays, the two passes that he made in overtime that ended up in McDavid scoring number 60 against Arizona. Okay, a couple things. I got to be honest with you. I was hoping that McDavid was going to go dry for a couple of days because I got the Oilers in Vegas on Tuesday and I wanted him to get his 60th on Tuesday. Of course you did. Yeah. So I was, when he got the early one, when he banked it off Ingram's head, like, nah, he's going to get another one. That's no good. Uh, I I just think he's had an amazing year and it's just, it's, it's a pleasure to watch somebody play at this level because he's at a level that other people can't get to. So I'm watching the game on TNT last night and they're talking about could Connor McDavid be on the Mount Rushmore of hockey without a Stanley Cup championship? Without question. If the Oilers never win, if Connor McDavid never wins and he does this, how can he not be? You mean to tell me what makes Wayne Gretzky great is that he won a Stanley Cup or four of them? No, absolutely not. In in my opinion. Oh no, I'm with you. I'm Um, with you. I it was way easier to win in 1985 and 1989 than it is today. There were no salary cap. There was only 21 teams. So many different things. What McDavid's doing is just amazing. As for Dreisaitl, like I said, I got that Oiler game coming up. So I was doing a little research. Uh, in the last four years, Dreisaitl is second in the NHL in goals behind McDavid. He's third in assists, right? Yeah. In, in the league. He's... Uh, second in points, he's fifth in face-offs, and he's first in ice time for forwards. <laughs> like, Leon Dreisaitl does not get the pub that he deserves, and everything that he does gets tied. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but he's playing with McDavid. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is fortunate, and of course it can't be, it can't yeah. be ignored, but to say that is a disservice to what Dreisaitl does. This is one of the very elite 
yeah. players in the league. Not in the top 20, not even in the top 15. He's in the top 10. And then look, the you have an eye for this, but if you ask the coaches of the Edmonton Oilers, ask any coach that, that plays against Dreisaitl, they will tell you his game of late, I don't know, 10, 15 games, call it whatever it is, is the best it's ever been and not because of the offense, right? I mean, that's a big part of it, of course, but it's how well defensively he's playing. Like the detail in his game now is really, really strong. Well, there comes a point where, you know, the points are awesome and yeah. he gets them all the time. He gets them falling out of bed, but they want to win. Yeah. And so to win, you've got to do other other things. Let's not walk past. I know this is about Connor McDavid, but let's not walk past what Dreisaitl did in the playoffs last year. Yeah. He has a high ankle sprain. He's hobbling all over the place. It looked like he wasn't going to play. And then he has an amazing playoff, like an astounding playoff. It I is. just don't, I don't think Dreisaitl gets, gets the love he should be getting. World Cup of Hockey, Connor McDavid wants it. The star players of the National Hockey League want it. The Players Association wants it. I believe the NHL wants it. You know, McDavid saying, look, we've been asking about this in hockey for a long time. Best on best. Now, what complicates it is somewhat obvious, and that's current events. You've got the Russian invasion, right? So do you just keep Russia out? All the Russian players aren't invited, all the Russians, all of that. If you do that, then you're probably, well, if you don't do that is more important, then you're probably going to lose the Swedes, players from Czechia. I mean, the European federations, because in support of Ukraine, they're going to say, well, we're not playing in that if you're going to allow Russia back into international play. Um, but how important is it? Like, can you can you imagine Sidney Crosby retiring from the National Hockey League, never having played with Connor McDavid? I mean, it's it's real when you look at it in those terms, mm -hmm. right? It it would be regrettable in many ways if if this doesn't happen. As far as the Russian component of, you know, it, it's legit. Of course it is. I, I think in, in some sense, the tail's wagging the dog here. If by current events that the Russian players can't be in the tournament, then they're not in. And you run the best tournament you can run that does not include them. And, and, and I understand it's not, you know, it's, it's not their policy. The play, it's not Artemi Panarin's policy, right? I understand that. But if, if the, geopolitical decision and view is that they can't be in the tournament, then they can't be in the tournament. Yeah. You can't sit around and wait for the thing to sort itself out. What if it becomes uh, something that lasts for years? Like you can only do what you can do. I just gotten this feeling that the tail's wagging the dog a bit here and the world cup of hockey should go on. It would be an amazing event. And if, unfortunately, the Russian players can't be in it for right now, well, then that's the way it is. Uh, we'll have a look at both conferences early next week because then you're going to be inside games or unbelievable, for some isn't right it? There. It is wild. I mean, in, in the East, obviously, you've got the fight with the Penguins, the Islanders, the Florida Panthers right there. In the West, you know, you've, you've got the battle there with Winnipeg trying to hang on and Calgary is sort of clawing into the mix. What about Nashville? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll have a better handle on it yeah. after the weekend. I want to drill down on Toronto as we wrap up headlines because Toronto's playing another desperate team in Florida tonight, right, yeah. as we record this here on Thursday. Your thoughts on how they mismanaged the game Tuesday against the Islanders. You know, there's a team that is hungry. The Isles were hungry in that game. I thought Toronto played okay in the first. They missed three glorious chances. 
But then turnover after turnover and bad decisions in the defensive zone. And and some in the market are saying, well, maybe the coach has to absorb some of the responsibility here. You know, with all these new faces, he's been experimenting too much. And, you know, he's not allowing chemistry to develop up front or on defense. I mean, you buying any of that or is it just a night where the team didn't play well and you leave it at that? Well, I, they sucked the other night. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's going to happen. The easy excuse is to say that he's experimenting too much, Sheldon Keefe, but you've got a bunch of new players. Like, how do you know where they fit? I don't know if you remember, but the New York Rangers, when they picked up Patrick Kane, they said, yeah. oh, we got to play him with Panarin. And they did yeah. it for three games and they went, that looks terrible. And they split them up. But unless they played them the three games, you wouldn't know. Right. And so you have, um, I, I do think there is, there gets a point where you're mucking up the project a little bit, but I look at a playoff series length. So the last seven games of the year, there's no more experimenting. Mm. That is your lineup. That is okay. the, that is the time that you need to lock guys in. Now, if you have a back to back, maybe you take somebody out. You know, the guy I think of is if you can give Giordano an extra day, give him an extra day. He doesn't need that extra day. And you get, you keep somebody, you know, in touch with game action, but you've got the complication of O'Reilly out of the lineup until, until he's not. So you're going to move some people around, but I would have in my head where I want O'Reilly to be. And I know the least likely do, but where I want him to be. And that would be the only place I'm fiddling around with right now because O'Reilly's going to get plugged into a spot and that's where he's going to be. You know who you're going to play. You know who Tampa's, you know what Tampa's lineup for the most part is going to look like. And by the way, have you looked at your opponent, Toronto? King. They're stumbling all over the place coming into the into the last 10 games of the year. There, there's no need to panic for a very good team. I do think coaches can stick their thumbs in it too much and, and screw up the pie. Just get the seven games, start to lock in your roster, and that's where you go. I, I'm not, I don't think it's a disaster some people make it out to be. Those are your headlines. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs this year brought to you by our good pals at Canadian Club Whiskey who are asking, are you over beer? Why not try a refreshing CC ginger ale toss in a lime next time you're having a drink or you're just watching a game? Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. See, Ray, we're not always just a hockey podcast, right? This I will mean, be a benefit. Ah, we delve into all worlds. Sporting worlds, yes. The entertainment world on occasion. But what a pleasure and a privilege to have former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, John Gibbons, joining us on the podcast. Not only is he a former manager, I mean, that in and of itself, Ray, is enough to earn a spot here on the Randregs podcast. But he's a fellow host of the Gibby show podcast and co-author of Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer with Greg Oliver. John Gibbons, welcome to the podcast. Man, you're a busy dude. You've got a lot going on these days. Yeah, a little bit too busy, you know, but 
Hey, uh, is it just like a slow week in hockey or what? Is it you got a week off or something? Or you guys? Uh, <laughs> you guys no, never, <laughs> never. It's the start of baseball, and we're man. You were you're such a character, John. Just so much fun when you were managing the Jays. You did you know when you took the job that the Jays reach so far in Canada? No, I, I, I did you know, but you know one thing when I started out, you know, the team we weren't very good, you know, for for a lot of years. You guys know that it was twenty two yeah. years anyway. Yeah. But people would always say, hey, you know, if the team's relevant in September in the second part of the season, well, watch what happens to you know Toronto and around the country. But we never saw because we the Red Sox and the Yankees would run away mm. with June, you know, we were sitting there and this was before all the extra wild card stuff too. So but then it had, you know, when it happened in '15, Anthopolis pulled off some great deals, and we just got fired, you know. And then it was, it was amazing, and it, it is still there, you know. It disappeared a little bit when I think when they went through the the rebuild, and then you had COVID, but it seems to be seems to be back. Well, I live out in the West Coast, and so in 1975, I started. You know, I was 11 year old kid, and these two rookies, Jim Rice and Fred Lynn, came in, and I'm like, oh my god, I love these guys, and so I became a Red Sox fan. Then I was a Expos fan, and then the Jays came. And it just seemed every layer of it gave mm-hmm. us one more reason to cheer. And so way back to Otto Velez and the first Blue Jays, <laughs> man, it was like when when you guys had it, it was like it became on the front page of everything. It was It's really cool. And I wondered, like, managing in that, do you notice it or do you just get stuck doing what you're doing day to day? No, you, you definitely notice it. You know, I mean, heck, you got a whole country, you know, it, it, uh, behind you, you know, one team up there. And, and it was you know, when we went out west, especially Seattle, that's when you really yeah. noticed. Yeah, right. We would take over the, the whole stadium. And we traveled good in the U.S. too. But, you know, you get caught up in your grind, you know, when you have the, the daily stuff of the team. But you go outside, I mean, there's, it's definitely noticeable, you know, and whether you're in Yankee Stadium or Fenway. So are you, uh, so you're, are you still a Red Sox guy? Or what? Well, you know what? It was more fun <laughs> when they were not winning. It was actually kind of like, this, this is our team that never wins. And it was kind of fun. And then they won the four times and I'm like, nah, and not, not as much anymore. I kind of like <laughs> you know, and morning. Yeah. I kind of like missing and morning. They're like, oh, they exactly. lost again. You know, hey, you know, my mom and dad are both born and raised in Boston, right? My dad yeah. joined the military and that's how I ended up in Texas. You know, I tell everybody, you know, I got that. Boston blood run through me. That's the asshole in me, you know? <laughs> you can't escape. You can't escape. Yeah. But the worst thing could ever happen was when they finally won it because now they got nothing to bitch about. Yeah. I say that all the yeah, time. Yeah, you know? John Gimbert's joining us here on the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast. And uh, John, before you joined us, Ray and I in headlines had a conversation about the World Cup of Hockey because Connor McDavid, the greatest player in hockey, talked about how hockey needs the best-on-best best format. And, and to a point, I think we just saw that, didn't we, in the World Baseball Classic? I mean, it comes down to the at-bat. You've got Otani and, and Mike Trout. I mean, the theater was tremendous. The entertainment was exceptional. But I'm wondering from a manager's perspective whether you are willing to embrace the World Baseball Classic for what it is and shelve all the risk because we did see a couple of key yeah. baseball players get hurt in this process so where's your mindset on all of this yeah i'm, I'm mixed too you know uh that that may uh when diaz going down the Met, yeah. that may, the mets may be finished there's a good i mean they're they're a totally different team and then when altuve you know he's going to be out a while yeah that's the risk you take and looking back i mean 2013 when we had, we made a few trades and brought in like you know jose reyes and burley and some some guys mm-hmm. and we're, we're crowd champs before we ever play the game that year was <laughs> yeah. uh, we also had a WBC, so a lot of players went to that. So you really couldn't even get your team together, right? Uh, and so, that, so I thought did that hurt us? Probably not, but it made it tough on a manager. But 
I think the game loves it. It's been good for the game. Personally, if, if I'm still in the dugout, I don't like it at all, you know, <laughs> because you want see what see what happens. But but it, you know that that doesn't matter now. You know, I mean, it's all about generating the the money and the audiences, and which is a good thing too. It builds the sports, but. Well, yeah. I, I was just going to say, like, when you're in the dugout, I assume there's lots of things that happen that are, you know, way up the food chain that you never get to touch that you would, you know, like to, hey, I would do this or I would do that. And it seems to me like the overwhelming enthusiasm for the tournament would, you know, would eventually financially push the owners into saying, hey, this is a good idea. I would love to see it because we don't get it. We never get yeah. it. The, the Olympics, it's been so long now since it's been best on best. And nobody's right. watched, nobody's watched Connor McDavid, who may go down as the greatest player ever, play in a best on best. And to me, that's, it's a little silly. You're right. Yeah, you got to take advantage of, you know, promote the sport, you know, the best way you can. And you're, you're right. You know, he's nothing against Edmonton, I guess. But, you know, I mean, there he's, you're not getting that. He's playing for the, you know, the, the Maple Leafs or something. He could probably get noticed a little more, right? You know, no, well, if you're with the maple, if you're with the Maple Leafs, if you're if you're the assistant equipment manager, you get noticed more than anywhere else. Hey, hey Ray, that that soundbite isn't going to resonate with the Edmonton fan base even a little bit, is it? <laughs> hey, I don't know if they know who I am out there, anyways. You know, oh, they do give me. Yes, hey, they you, do. You mentioned in the dugout that this. I love, like, I love baseball. It's, you know, I, I loved it since I was a little boy. And one of my favorite books was Ball Four when it was written in the day by Jim Bout because it told tales of the dugout. Like, when you go to the mound to take out a pitcher and the whole way you're going out, you know <laughs> that guy just wants to, he wants to give it to you and he does not want to give you the ball the whole way out there. Are you thinking, how am I going to tell this guy that he's got to come out or am I just putting my hand out for the ball? Like, I, I'm fascinated by that stuff because I would be so sour if you were coming to take me out of the game. Oh yeah, I mean that's uh, that's well that that is the game right there, changing the control of the pitcher staff. Now nowadays, heck, the manager doesn't even, doesn't even matter because he's got to say, well, the statistics say that you have to take you out. <laughs> right. I don't care. Yeah. You never know. So so they they're off the hook now. But yeah, that that that's that's one of the toughest part of the game, obviously. And I, I was telling somebody. Like when Roy Halladay, you know, Roy, Roy would always pitch you six, seven, eight innings, guaranteed, and a lot of times complete games. And so the toughest part about managing him is knowing when to take it. I mean, he's a human being and he wears out every now and then. I would never signal right away from the dugout to the change. I would always, you know, wait till I got to the mound because he might talk you out of it. He's one guy you give him a chance to talk, you know, let you talk. And, uh, but he, he would step out of the dugout, he'd turn over there and he'd stare at you, you know, he'd give you that look like, what are you doing? But he was the most respectful guy. Never complained and things like that. There's some, but there's some guys, you know, you, you're so frustrated, you had enough, or you maybe left them in there too long. You come out of the dugout, say, "Screw it, get out of here, man." I, I don't know. <laughs> and then they got nothing to say. So, but yeah, you know, it, it it all depends on the individual. You know, some guys think they're getting screwed. You know, you're you're hurting them in the long run, or they can get this guy. But uh, you know, you you learn over time. There's signs that you watch for that you know, he's, this guy's done. I don't care. You know, he may be trying to be macho or act like. Wants to be the hero, but you need to make those decisions, the right decisions as the manager. How do you manage 25 guys for 162 days? Like we play 82 games in hockey and there are days you're like, I don't want to see anybody. I don't, you know, like I just, <laughs> our great colleague, Bob McKenzie calls it a small circle day, which basically means everyone else is out of the circle, but me, you know, like <laughs> I just want a day off from humans. Like how do you manage a, like a, that roster for that time? Well, you know what? Uh, I'm kind of a. I'm, I was kind of a hands-off guy, you know. I let the let the players 
police themselves and you know until unless i need to step in that kind of thing and in our better teams we have big personalities and i think the worst thing that you know you know we're playing so many games the worst thing a manager can do is is try to control things too much you know looking over everybody's shoulder we're trying to you know just to really dictate everything that happens so you let the boys do their thing right give them some leeway if they step out of line or they're doing something that's gonna it's hurting the team you know i'm talking about not, not only game time that type of thing or you know off the field or something like that it's gonna you know sustain the, the reputations that then you then you uh then you got to get involved you know but they uh the last things you know they're like you know, i've always believed the more you talk the less they listen it's like your own you yeah. know <laughs> but so you're not talking all the time when you finally do say something you listen because whoa okay he means it. He's just not always just, you know, but it's, it's, you know, when, uh, when you have a bunch of superstars, like we had a group, you know, that were really, really good. And they were, they weren't well liked in the league on by guys on the other teams, big personalities, very emotional. You know, you gotta, you gotta, sometimes you gotta turn your back, man, and, and not see some things too, you know. Right. And you gotta remember, they're the show. People coming sure. to watch that, you know, you gotta let them do their thing. And, and a lot of times the, you guys know the guys are a little, little nutty, man. They're your best players. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, John Gibbons, former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, joining us on the Ray and Driggs podcast. And Gibby, I've got a fan question here. We're going to take one fan question, which kind of uh, relates to the the big personalities here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You you were suspended at least a couple of times, you know, over throwing out, uh, ejected out of a handful of games, a couple anyway. So well, Andrew is asked. Start looking at it, you know? Yeah, you yeah, get to go home early. <laughs> Andrew is asking. I'd love to hear about manager ump interactions, getting tossed, which umps are the most sensitive, et cetera. But you know, you know what? Uh, people always ask me, like, would you ever, you know, you ever go to get ejected to fire your team up? And I said, no, man, that's, I don't, you know, that's phony, right? Mine really a lot of times came down to, well, I believe too, that if you if you want the, your players to fight for you, you better fight for them. We had a number of guys on our team that, that considered whiners throughout the league, you know, with the umpires about the strike zone, things like that. But a lot of times our guys were right, you know, but the umpires would stick it to them. It's a little tougher now because everything's on TV and they got all that. Yeah. But they would stick it to them when they, when they could, right? And so I made sure, made a point, you know, I'd watch it because then that's, that's affected me too, you know? So I, you'd have, you got to fight for those guys. And we had a number of them that bitched and moaned, you know? You know, there's certain umpires though that they'll, they'll give you your say. Yeah. It used to be, you know, you could say whatever you want in the game and until you call, start calling the umpire a name, right? That's, then, then it's automatic. Nowadays, though, it's especially you get a lot of these young umpires that come up and it's like they got to they got to make a statement early on that they're in control, and they're a little more testy or they or they uh, they got the quick hook. But there's some guys that you can still go out there and have fun with, like Joe West. You know, Joe gets a remember Big Joe? I mean, he set the record sure. for. Hey, uh, hey. I go I used to say that worst job in a club. I said, Joe, you know, was a big heavy set guy. The work, no, the worst job in that stadium on a hot day game. Is the clubhouse guy that's got to clean Joe Joe West this uniform after the game? He's got, <laughs> that guy had the worst. That guy's got the worst job. No, but I'd have fun with him, you know. And, and a little give and take, and before a game would start, I would never take the lineup card out. But if he was in, he was he, he was covering our game. He'd always t- say something to the coach that we sent out there about the uh, little joke or jab towards me. So it was a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of give and take, you know. It's awesome. Uh, there's some, some guys too that just have a chip on your shoulder and. They're just, they get there for whatever rules they need. They're just, <laughs> well, and, like, you know, yeah, but here's the thing too. You get, say you got one of those guys that you don't get along with and you got him for a four game set. You got to look at him for four days. I, I'm sure that's got to be <laughs> really hard. Oh I, yeah. That, oh, it, it would, yeah. Gibby, I had a, 
I, I was the best official that I knew, and I never officiated a game. <laughs> and so had had some significant issues that I didn't figure out till later. I wasn't getting any calls. <laughs> so that would be a tough one for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, most of those guys are pretty good, too. You, you got to give them credit where it's due, you know. And some of them are just bad. See, and they can have bad days and all that. But I'm telling you, we were talking about the Red Sox a while ago. You used to go to, if you went to play in Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium, there was a different strike zone, man, you know, for them and for us. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah. But, you know, nobody wants to hear the crying. But, you know, it's something you just got to deal with. But, yeah, if you got them for a four-game four game series, that, that day that they're behind the plate is the day you, you keep keep an eye on, you know, because they, they can influence it. Not like they're trying to screw you necessarily, but there's certain guys they'll take right. it out on, you know? Now, you mentioned a big personality. One thing I will never forget was I was flying into Pittsburgh, and, and you you know how far it is from Pittsburgh to downtown when you're in a cab or on the bus. Yeah. You got to go through that big tunnel. It takes forever. So you guys were playing Texas in the playoffs. And the score was, I think it was 3-2. And the app that I was following never updated the score. I'm like, it was the whole way in. I'm like, what the hell is going on <laughs> in Toronto? And it was the bat flip. And the and at the time, I'm like, man, I, I can't believe Batista, Jose Batista flipped the bat like that. And when I went back and looked at it, I'm like, he should have thrown that thing out of the stadium. It was so charged in there. Could that be <laughs> among the most explosive moments of your managerial career well yeah you know it's got to be it's got to be the top one of my my career you know and, and it was unreal yeah and you know that, that whole run will go down in and not only history in baseball but you know obviously blue jays history because you know about 22 years of frustration right and it and uh and it really came down to the perfect guy i don't think anybody else hits that home run it's not as impactful as batista right because he was facing the franchise through a lot of struggling years yet he was one of the best players in the game and for him in the just the way it all set up, you know, it was just a perfect. And he was like, like I said earlier. I mean, he wasn't nobody liked him in though, you know, unless he was on your own team. And he, yeah. even some of those guys would quest, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like the villain, man. The villain sticks it to the old, you know, I'm a Texan, you know, but the yeah. good guy, Texas raid. So uh, in that place, just erupted. But uh, you know that he'll be known for that forever. He had, a, he had a tremendous career, obviously, but. You know, you look at even Joe Carter's walk-off home run to win a World Series, you know, it doesn't get better than that, right? But I almost viewed no. this, maybe because I was there, I said, this will almost be recognized as much as that one. And that was a mm. World Series. Well, then you I know said, what, Gibby, we, we, we could talk baseball for hours because Ray, as you can tell, is a huge baseball fan. Well, yeah. um, but, but look, I'm not sure how much research you did in coming onto the Ray and Drinks podcast, but you may have known that Ray Ferrero has a little bit of baseball history no, on his it. side, too. Little League World Series. Ray, what yeah. year was that? I don't remember. I don't remember. 1976. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our team won the Canadian Championship. We're from this, Gibby, we're from this town of about 8,000. And I don't know how the hell we made it all the way through, <laughs> but we went to Williamsport and I, hey, awesome. I was the second basement. Trail BC. Do you remember you remember a guy named Jason Bay? Yeah. Oh yeah. The outfielder. Jason's yeah. much Jason's much younger, but he went to the World Series as well when uh when his team came up five times from our little town. We're pretty proud of it. It's uh, it, it, it was the best. That's it an accomplishment. And you know what? I played my first little league baseball game in Goose Bay Labrador. That's right. Air Force how did you end up there? there? Oh, okay. I was going to say, how did you end up there? Yeah, my dad was, it was funny. My dad was stationed up there in, for two years. My, my mom and dad, when we all got there, 
other people who were stationed up there would ask my mom and dad, said, what did you do to get punished, man? They, they gave me Simon Goosebay and Labrador. That was kind of the joke. And my mom and dad told me that was like one of their, their, the fondest uh, assignments they ever had in the military, you know. So, but that's where it all started for me. They showed it. Hey, well, congrats, man. That's pretty damn good Thank to you. get to the little shortage. You're going to make a trip back there. I, I just, I loved it so much. It was such a yeah. great memory in, in my life. And uh, I want to go back. Yeah. And now, you know, I, I work for ESPN, so I should be able to get tickets somehow. <laughs> I mean, they, they, do, they do run the thing, right? <laughs> hey, I got hey, one for you. Get, first hockey game. Official hockey game I ever saw it was in 1984. I was with the Mets. We were playing up in Montreal. You know, we had a, yeah. we had a day off. And Rusty Staub was on the team, our team, you know. And he got some tickets. It was an Islander-Canadian playoff game at the old forum. That was my first taste of hockey, right? And then, then the following week, we were back in, in New York, and we went and saw, you know, another game at the Nassau Coliseum. I, was, I think hadn't the uh, Islanders won four in a row at that point, and... That was they, they did. Home. You you kind of cheated walking into some of the best that you were ever going to see. I you know. were in no kidding. The best building, the forum was amazing. Right, the forum yeah. was like old Yankee Stadium. It was it was a cathedral in that place. What a place to go! Tell me you oh, had a hot yeah. dog, Gibby. Tell me you had a hot dog in there. They were the best. Oh, yeah. everything in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I love hockey. You know, I don't quite understand it all. I don't. I don't necessarily watch a lot of it. But I watch my life. But you know why? You know why I like it so much. And obviously, you guys too. Yeah, it's a, just a good hard nose. Got to give it everything you got for. You can't get away with slacking up. Baseball, you know, you guys can dog. Guys can dog. <laughs> hockey, you know, you, you get it. You have to get a great effort. The guys are tough. You know, you don't get these guys in baseball. They get a lot of hangdowns and they can't play. And it's like, what the heck, you know? So I take my ad to you guys, man. It's so different, you know? Gibby, did you have a an offbeat favorite teammate? Like, uh, I'm sure you had a hundred of them, but is there one that people might be surprised that you go, like every time you're around him, you either laughed or he did something goofy or he was a good player, but people wouldn't know about. Oh, as a teammate? Yeah, or, or a guy you come across. Well, actually, I don't know if I should even say this, but Lenny Dykstra was one of my great friends, right? You know, coming, we, we were roommates in the minor leagues. You know, he was, everybody knows who he is, but you know, yep. he's turned into a real degenerate, you know, but <laughs> he's a great friend of mine. But uh, and it's, it's funny, I, I, saw him at, I saw him at a card show a few years ago, and we, we hadn't seen each other in a while. He listened some teeth, been in jail, or whatever. But any answer you great. Every time we get together, we laugh, man. We reminisce about the old days, and this was in the early 80s, and little uh, redneck town shelby north carolina you know uh, oh. yeah he's uh i hate to see what i'm doing but you know what i hate to even admit it sometimes but now you gotta stick by your friends right mm-hmm. awesome yeah all right gibby we'll let you go there man we'll have you back on the podcast again all the best with the book the podcast is sensational i mean you're still beloved here in toronto as former manager of the blue jays so Stay well, and thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, guys, hey, man, I sure appreciate you having me on the show, man. As big and successful as you guys are, man, that's pretty pretty good for us. No, thank you, Gibby. It's a pleasure to meet you, and uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Stay safe up there. Yeah. All right, time to raise a glass of fine stuff. Fine Chronicle series, Canadian Club Whiskey, to John Gibbons for joining us today. And, you know, you get the sense, Ray, that Gibby might enjoy a nice glass of the 45-year-old series released now <laughs> everywhere, so. based on our friends, Canadian Club Whiskey. What a character. But, you know, it, not to compare the two individuals, but, uh, you know, you've got, you've got coaches and managers and players in your history that 
are just fun guys to be around. You yep. want to go out and have a drink with them because the storytelling is going to be outrageous. I used to think that way of the late great Pat Quinn. I could listen to Pat's stories all day long. Right. I got the same feeling and experience in, in listening to John Gibbons, man. We just kind of, you know, we had a fun for the better part of 25 minutes. We just kind of scratched at the surface and, on what he's willing to do and say. Oh, I, I think, I think there is, there is a great storyteller for hours in there. Like I just, I really enjoyed just, just listening to him talk. I can see why players like to play for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can see that not too much is going to hit the stress meter on him that he's going to be just fine you know he's not but man i someone that's been around a sport for that long they've seen a lot they've had both the fun and the good stuff and the bad stuff that you know the tough stuff that's gone with it you know what story i really got a kick out of was his story with joe west <laughs> and, and uh you know making fun of you know like teasing joe about being a big guy and and so i i just I just, cause there's all that stuff that happens, the interaction that you never see or hear because yeah, it's in the game. Yeah. And that was just, that was one little story that I, I really got a chuckle out of because I, it happens with referees. I know what happens with umpires. And so I, I really enjoyed that. All right, Ray, we go from one character and John Gibbons to another character and Chris Abbott, a presentation of Botano.ca now available in Ontario. Botano reminds us the game starts now huge baseball fan abs we know this i mean you're constantly tweeting about it during baseball season and calling out this manager applauding that manager all of these yes, things yes I, he I, does i gotta wonder what you were like was it i guess there was social media obviously when gibbons was the manager of the toronto blue jays i'm sure you enjoyed his personality maybe less so some of the decisions <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I should go back and scrub <laughs> that because I, I got to tell you, you know, I was, I like Gibby better than I like Charlie. I'll go there. I think we used to give Gibby the same gears about the bullpen usage and when he did, but I think the problem that both of them have is that their bullpen just wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, you know, I can see now that John Gibbons has become more of a personality why everybody liked him so much yeah. i want to have a beer with that guy i want to apologize yes, to his face <laughs> yes. i want to apologize to his face <laughs> and yeah i mean uh, he's, he's fantastic i'm so jealous you had him on so good you know what he did say about that and this might help you with the bullpen he goes ah it's much easier now there's you just say the statistics tell me what he's not wrong at all there's your book it says seventh inning left-hander <laughs> it's a Tuesday. It's the tall guy. So that's who it is. <laughs> Speaking of stats, Abs, uh, what's March Madness telling us now as we get a little deeper into the tourney? It's unpredictable as always. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, interesting to see what happens this coming weekend. It's, you know, we talked about it on here before, guys. You know, everyone talks about the Super Bowl and how big it is. And of course, yes, it's a massive event, but March Madness goes on for, you know, a month. And uh, people are, are all about it. I was in New York last weekend, and every bar I went into was packed with yeah. people. Every TV had all the games on. I know the Americans, you know, are, are more into the college sports than we are, but it's it's wild what a phenomenon. And and listen, bet underdogs and bet unders. Yeah. Everyone bets the favorite. Everyone bets the over. Underdogs and and unders for sure. Hey, what was the action at the World Baseball Classic? Because the TV numbers were off the charts, and I walked into a restaurant. Turned out bottom of the ninth and trout was walking to the plate uh, and i'm like or i was like are you kidding me yeah. i just accidentally walked into it and it was amazing but 
The TV numbers were incredible. Did it, did it translate into betting? It's some people bet it. I think one of the things with that event is that the history of the team composition isn't as vast as it is in, in league play. So the odds and the depth that you can into and get into in terms of what is offered is a little tough. It reminded me of the World Hockey Championship early on because the spreads were unbelievable. Like you're not betting winner and loser. You're betting, you know, Canada to cover an eight and a half run deficit against the U.S. and things like that. Yeah. So it reminded me of that. But yeah, it was, would love to see it in a different time of year. I think it ran up against March Madness a little bit. Yeah. But then again, where do you slot it? Suggested to some folks, well, would you do it after the season? There's nobody would play, right? You do it early. Yeah. You got guys getting injured, blah, blah, blah. But the theater, especially of the last few games was, was outstanding. You know, as a Canadian watching it, I actually found it kind of hard to watch because our team was, was overmatched, right? Yeah. Uh, for the most part, but it was interesting. I'd like to see them do it more often. I think it could gain some steam. All right. Let, before we let you go, why don't we, you know, start looking again at, at some of the major NHL award winners, the likelihood. What's a, an odd stat? Look at the Norris. I mean, seems like a foregone conclusion. Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks is going to win. I thought that the gap between Carlson and Kale McCarr of Colorado would be closer, but it really isn't, is it? No. And, and in fact, as the odds go, and maybe people want to run over to Botano right now, Hey. Uh, Kel McCarr is 14 to 1 as a long shot. You've got Eric Carlson minus 370. Then you've got Adam Fox and Josh Morrissey both sitting there at 10 to 1. And I don't know, is it because McCarr missed some games or whatever, but his odds are pretty long right now at 14 to 1. So if I was going to make a long shot in the rest, you know, McDavid's running away. Jim Montgomery's hey. running away with Coach of the Year. Yeah. So Matty Benier's hey. running away with Calder odds. So if I was going to get in on one, Kel McCarr, because I mean, everyone loves him. He's yeah. he's anointed as you know the the next. Well, he's not even the next. He's here now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I'm not a voter, but I think a lot of the the hype goes into a guy like him. And fourteen to one, I definitely uh, put a little bit of put a case of bear on that or something. I'm in at fourteen to one. Ray, you in at fourteen to yeah. one? Yeah, I uh, I follow I follow those odds. Surprising. Yeah, me uh, too. Quite quite frankly, I re- I really did. I, uh, I I I think I think McCars had an amazing season despite the. Mm-hmm. time away i see we'll do a little watch and see next time we speak i wonder if those odds will be the same thing if our listeners here haven't it, uh, yeah, yeah haven't gone and, and moved that line but all right buddy thanks for joining us we'll check back on tuesday on ran dregs absolutely and by the way dregs you look so good i saw a clip last week you were framed in the botano orange and you were talking about the flames play oh that was beautiful yeah he liked that uh, he might have done that it was beautiful it was good nice we'll keep that up thanks abs cheers boys so we're recording this on Thursday, Wednesday night. I don't know if you've ever done this, Ray. I did a sleep study. And Why? Yeah. I mean, the reason is, as I get older, I don't sleep great. I wake eh, up multiple yeah. times, you know, so it becomes more of a, a health concern, you know, sure, like right. you getting enough air. I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, that's why so many people are on CPAP machines and, you know, just think the world of them. So I had this study done last night and oh my goodness was it ridiculous so and i mean there's no other process so you slept get, well then you slept oh i'm so tired and punchy that this is gonna be one for the ages this podcast episode I check, in at, up. check in at 8 30 right um, and now there are other people that are also checking in so i think i was like third on the docket so the, the attendant gets to me at around 10 p.m and envision this. It's a, it's a doctor's office. 
But the office, as small as it is, just has a bed in it, right? And then you've got a table beside you. So the guy finally checks in. I'm not exaggerating. I must have had a hundred wires attached to varying parts of my body, my feet, my legs, my chest, my arms, my hands, my head, my throat. Like I had wires everywhere. And then I had two belts, one across my chest and one across my stomach. And they're like, all right, you know, we'll monitor, but we'll wake you up at like two in the morning and then we're going to put a mask on your face and it's going to blow air down your throat. And yes, you're going to have a great sleep. Like it was the most awkward and uncomfortable experience that I've had. So I don't know. It's getting my, up question, my question is, do you think all those wires were actually hooked up to something or were they just like <laughs> wires? I don't know, but I felt so bad for the guy that was doing this because I'm looking at him going, what in the hell are you doing to me here? But we'll see. I mean, I could join the legion of people that needs the help. And if so, so be it. Not getting any younger. It's just one of the nope. things you have to do. Do what you do, man. Yeah. You're in Dallas. You know, one of my favorite cities on the NHL circuit. It really <laughs> is. Love Dallas. It, good restaurant. Good spot. Good people. Yeah. Um, good, good people. Good, uh, good team. The Penguins are in here. Talk about a team that's scratching and clawing for Oof, yeah for life here. They won last night in Denver. I don't know who saw that coming, <laughs> but they go into Denver. They knock off the Avalanche. Then they got to jump on the plane and fly to Dallas. Can you imagine what they're going to feel like tonight? Ugh. And they've got to try and muster it up again to see if you know see if can you get a point out of here yeah, something. Yeah. Dallas so isn't going to be physical tonight at all, are they? Right? Oh boy, that's, <laughs> they're going to be on the hunt tonight. So that's my game tonight: Pittsburgh and Dallas, and then uh, going going to Vegas. Or no, I go to Pittsburgh first. Nice. So I got Capitals Penguins on Saturday, and then go to Vegas on Sunday for the Oilers on Tuesday. Going to go up there a little early. I hear there's stuff to do mm. up there, so going to go up there a little early. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on for me this week or the weekend. Stuff going on. You know, I talked about the, the sleep study. So we've got another test Friday, just part of the annual stuff. You know, you got to stay yep. on these things, right? Yes, right? you do. Yep, but yep. Got that on Friday. And then Holly and I are going through a kitchen renovation, which is about oh, to commence. Oh, how's that going? Well, it hasn't started yet. The destruction phase kicks in very early April. In fact, as we're recording here, the contractors texted, got a minute which means it's going to cost me more money. Cost right? you money. You know, the best part about a rental is, you know, they tape up everything and it's all yeah. secure. Yeah. It's amazing how dust gets everywhere, everywhere in the house. Yeah. And that you'll enjoy that after that's for a, for a neat freak like me. Yeah. Drove me wild. Yeah. Like we did a little tiny thing and I was like, I was dusted all over the place. I was like, nah, it's no good. So anyway, we're finishing up the picking the tiles and, all that nonsense. Are you involved weekend. in that? Uh, yeah, I am, but I'm just to a point, right? Like Does your opinion gonna, matter? Apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. I, I often said, that I couldn't believe in our house how often I lost a one-to-one vote. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought it yeah. was deadlocked. However, yeah. it was yeah. not. Hey, Ollie, what do you think of this example of a backsplash? We are not having a backsplash. We're just taking countertop all the way up that's the backsplash oh, okay so see okay, good there's, a diff- there's a difference Tammy <laughs> asked me about the backsplash yeah i didn't know what she meant i'm like what's a backsplash <laughs> she's like i'll pick it i'm like yeah you're right just uh, we're hopeless all right buddy well get home from the great state of texas safely and uh, we'll check in again early next week 
Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Yep. And until episode 51, stay safe, everyone. 